It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. You're listening to BGN Radio. Eagles outside linebacker Connor Barwin joins us. I heard you guys are the best Eagles podcast there is out there in Philly, so I'm excited to talk to you guys. It is episode number, what are we at? 218, I believe. And we are bringing back the wonderful, the beautiful Mr. John Marks, who is, uh, I don't know, just enjoying the fatherhood right now. Is that what's going on, John? Something like that. 218? Man. I gotta. Th- I remember I remember you guys were in the teens. Yeah, I know. Oh, you know what? It's 219. I apologize. So we're, we're starting off bad already. But yeah, it's been... Uh, it's been kind of crazy <laughs> that we're it's we're closer to 300 than we were uh, a lot uh, a long time ago. So it has been has been uh, you know cruising right along there. But uh, I, I don't know. I I know it's the the it seemed like the theme of the week basically. And we should uh, preface this by Jason Garrett has one coach of the year uh, down there in Dallas as that was announced today. But I don't know what what did you think of of, of last weekend's you know kind of playoff run? I know there was a lot of conversation about how far away is this Eagles team, and that was kind of like the the big thing going into uh, this week. And, and I don't know. I just I just kind of more or less think it's like yeah, I think the NFL was bad, and if the Eagles have a pretty good offseason, they'll probably be there next year as long as Wentz kind of continues to do his thing. But yeah, I don't know any reactions from. Uh, 
from from this past weekend? Yeah, I saw some of your tweets where I, I think that I, I agree with you. I think that a lot of what a lot of people were saying was, well, wow, the Eagles are sure far away from where the Cowboys and the Packers are. Where what it really comes down to is you don't have Aaron Rodgers. I mean, how far away? How good is the Green Bay defense? How good is Green Bay? It's terrible. Right. I mean, how, how good is their wide receiver? Jordy Nelson's a great wide receiver. I, I, I like their wide receivers. Who knows if Nelson or Adams plays this week? But as far as like, they don't have a running back. They have a wide receiver back there playing running back. Tim Montgomery and I like him. But you know what I'm saying. Like, if you have great quarterback play, all of a sudden you're looked at as being an elite team. If Carson Wentz is able to play even half as well as Aaron Rodgers next Next year, you're going to see them right there in the thick of the playoff hunt. Um, you know, one thing, John, I looked at when I was looking at the team this week, I looked and I said, they've got a lot of work to do and they don't have a lot of money to spend uh, under the salary cap. I know that the cap figures were released and they the rollover was given this week. So the Eagles are going to have, depending on who they cut around, maybe $20 million to spend. But they have a lot of needs and a lot of teams have money under the cap. Like the Cleveland Browns have $107 million. The 16th team, Miami, has over $50 million to spend. So you know what that means? It means that guys are going to get overpaid because teams have money to spend and the Eagles don't necessarily have that. So I think you're going to see a slower process and you're going to see it through the draft. And and honestly, that's how I want it built because you can't win building your team with free agency, but it also means you have to pick the right guys. Yeah. Unless you're the Denver Broncos and you can magically do the one time. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's the, the one team and you're right. I mean, they, they rebuilt their defense. The giants actually did a really good job this year too in free agency. So they have a lot of needs. I just don't know how you can do that with the amount of salary cap space they have. Yeah. And the, and they're, we're, we're going to get into that too. Cause Jimmy Kemsky is uh, going to join the program in a little bit. And he's the one that this week had said that, you know, there's a possibility that Jason Kelsey is going to be one of those kind of first cap casualties going through there. And, you know, I, I well, let's just let's dive into that because Jimmy will come up here in just a second. But, I, you know, that that immediate move and we've been talking a lot about that, uh, you know, this week, Isaac Salamalu going to be right in the fold of things. If that happens, you pretty confident with the you know, the kind of uh, the gap, I guess, or learning curve that there would be there between him and Kelsey. Well, I think if this was three or four years down the road, you wouldn't necessarily want to do it because you're looking at it and you're saying like, well, we don't really know about him. But at this point, with it being Wentz year two, if you know Kelsey's not going to be here in three years or four years, which he's not, then why even bother? If you have a guy that you drafted with the thought of making as your center that is probably, at least if it, it, on paper, has a chance to be big. We know what Kelsey's problem is. He's just not big enough. He's athletic, but he's getting pushed around too much. So I am okay with that. I am. Anybody that you look at right now, John, that, that may not be on the roster in four years, just get rid of them now. I mean, for, forget about it. Get yeah. rid of them now. I, I, I'm okay with bringing in players that can help develop some of these, like a wide receiver, a veteran wide receiver may not be with them in four years. I'm fine with that. But a center and you have a young guy that's there, get him in right now. Get him in there and get him seasoned. Yeah, and I know we've talked about this, and that's kind of, I mean, I kind of find out that way about Jason Peters, too, a lot. I really do. I understand that he's going to be here for the next year, and that's probably not going to change anything. But when we start to think about all those things of, you know, well, they could make – a significant splash and upgrade the wide receiver position pretty handily before you even get to the draft. You know, I mean, they're uh, honestly, it's probably not the biggest names in the world that would be like, Oh yeah, we got Julio Jones and, and this is going to be awesome next year. Cause that's, that's not going to happen. But honestly, if Jason Peters and maybe you can even make the argument towards letting go of Benny Logan and not paying him that money to grab two or three of those guys that are out in the open market, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of with John on that side as far as 
you know, managing and fixing those things and then developing the guys that are behind that. You know, I don't want, you know, again, Kenny Stills trained, sure, but if that means Jeffrey, too, and you want to deal with the problems, the injuries and the potential suspensions and all that other stuff, too, sure. But, you know, those guys are still young and they're talented and I, I'm kind of on board with that. Obviously, I don't see them getting rid of Jason Peters or anything like that, but, um, you know, I, 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 I do think there will be... The cap issue won't be an issue by the time free agency goes around here, but yeah, I I, I don't know. I kind of feel like if you're going to do that, then you should probably jettison from a lot of different things that are only going to be here for a year, John. Yeah, I, I would move on from Jason Peters, and I would say, like Howie said at the news conference, he's a future Hall of Famer. He's still a good player. I think he's overrated a little bit. He's still, believe me, he's still very good. He w- There's a lot of teams out there that are in dire need of a left tackle that would love to have Jason Peters in there. I just don't see the point when you know that that he's got maybe two, three years left, maybe another year after this to where he's going to be among the elite and then it starts sliding downhill. Who knows? But I know Lane Johnson's being paid to be a left tackle. And if you know he's going to be your left tackle in four years, hopefully, then I don't see the point in paying Jason Peters over $11 million. When you have a guy at a right tackle, as you saw, they were able to fill in capably. And that's that's the way I would go. You bring up Benny Logan. I mean, I'm just chomping at the bit to talk about all this stuff right here. I don't know how you pay him. I don't know how you pay him after Vinny Curry gets paid, Brandon Graham's getting paid, Fletcher Cox got $103 million. I don't know why he would get that contract, but that's a whole other thing. You can't afford to pay everybody. And Benny Logan's going to get some money. So I, I don't know how you bring him back either. And like you said it, they have, two, they, they have so many needs, John. Look at their corners. They, they, they might have one corner left from this year. One cornerback. It might yeah. be Jalen Mills. It might be the seventh-round pick. They might have one cornerback left. They're going to have to go out in the draft and a corner and wide receiver. They're going to have to draft somebody high, and they're going to have to sign one or two guys that are going to come in here. You can't go into the season next year status quo with the guys that you had this year. It's not going to work. You can't do it year two. Yeah, I don't know if we're looking for splashes necessarily, but there will be. I think they'll be very active, whether that's trade or picking up or re-signing or you know going out and doing a lot of those different things. I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah, and I, again, it'll be interesting to see how this thing kind of plays out, and that's why we're going to bring Jimmy Kemsky on because he is the first one who kind of you know push that edge and say, hey, you know, don't get uh, don't get too used to Jason Kelsey being here. The Philly Voice is own, and uh, I should say Walter Football's number one news source, Mr. Jimmy Kempsey. <laughs> What's going on, buddy? How are you? What's going on, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, and, and uh, I'm sorry we haven't had you on since March, which is uh, kind of crazy, but we wanted to get you on because uh, uh, first, you are the first tidbit of little off-season nuggets here is, uh, you know, you had uh, written an article just basically stating that, yeah, Jason Kelsey is being considered uh, as one of the first cut victims this offseason. And uh, how confident, I guess, are you that that is going to happen uh, either way? Like, is there, did you get any sense that it was leaning more one way than the other? Yeah, I mean, um, the, what I heard, they're, yeah, they're, I mean, they're, they're leaning toward letting him go you know, one way or the other, whether, they, whether they're able to get anything for him uh, or whether they just have to out, outright release him. I mean, I don't know if they can get anything for him or not. He's the 10th highest paid center in the NFL and certainly hasn't played like that over the last two years. You know, as, as everyone who follows the team knows, he's got his positives and he's got his significant drawbacks. The drawbacks being, of course, and the big one is that he, you know, he's, he's a smaller guy and can get eaten up by bigger interior defenders. And then, of course, this year he led off centers in the NFL in penalties, and he had, you know, he's, he's always kind of struggled a little bit with shotgun snaps. So those are the three big drawbacks that you have with him. And then, obviously, 
on the plus side, he does more things athletically than any other center in the NFL can do. I mean, just his ability to get out in front of, out in front of screens, being able to get to the second level and, and blocking linebackers and pulling around the edge and getting in front of running backs around the edge and, and making blocks on the perimeter. He does that better than any center in the NFL, but it's a unique skill set that, you know, I don't know is a big priority for a lot of NFL teams. I think, you know, they, if, if they had their druthers, they'd prefer a guy who kind of anchor and, 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 and hold up against interior defensive linemen right. better than he can, certainly. So I don't know what kind of value he'll have, but I would lean heavily toward him not being on the roster in wow. 2017. Okay, well, that uh, that kind of takes care of that, which leads me to then is, I, I guess, you know, we, we've heard from a, a couple of different people, too, including, you know, and you got to take it for uh, semi what it's worth when it's coming out of the players' mouths, but guys like Brandon Brooks has is, is been an advocate of Isaac Salamalu taking over and think he'll be, you know, there, there won't be much of a difference. I mean, obviously, I don't think so either when you're dealing with the, that the kind of flawed product that you have been with Kelsey the last two years. But what's your sense on him just kind of taking over that center position, you know, uh, week one when it's when uh, when the season's ready to rock and roll here? He had a weird season. I thought he was going to be in a competitor for the starting left guard job, and they kind of named Barbary the starter way back in, like, May. I mean, yeah. like, well before, like, practices even began, and, a lot of people, myself included, were like, what? Why? <laughs> Why would you name him the starter that quickly? But they did, and he actually wound up having a pretty, a pretty good season. Sayamala got hurt early on in the year, and then as the season progressed, they needed him to play. And I thought he played really well, and he had a really weird season in that he started you know, two games at right guard for the moment when Brandon Brooks couldn't play because of his anxiety issues. And then he started another game at, at right tackle, <laughs> who was kind of thrown in because they just had so many guys that were hurt. And so he had to step in. He's a very good Ravens defense and played right tackle, held his own there. And then he started the final game of the season against sort of an uninterested Dallas Cowboys team at left guard. So he has already started at three positions in the NFL in his rookie season alone. And that kind of, um, that's just really kind of a continuation of what he did in college when he started at, uh, at four different spots at Oregon state. The one that he didn't start at was at left guard, which, no, ironically, was the one that was the position that he had the best chance of playing at this year uh, with the Eagles in his rookie season. His primary position at Oregon State was, of course, center. So there's a very, you know, there, there's, there's a very logical belief that he would be the one that would slide into center, take over for Kelsey both in 2017 and for the foreseeable future. Yeah, well, and it's, uh, you know, I don't know. People are saying it's his best position. People are saying it's aren't. I guess we're uh, we're going to find that out soon. Um, and there's still going to be some question marks as just far as, like, how the line is going to shuffle, um, uh, you know, probably throughout whatever they do in the draft and their free agency and whatever. I wanted to ask you just curiously, and I think it's pretty much already going to be uh, been predetermined at this point, but Stephen Wisniewski is not going to come back to this football team in your mind. Is that correct? I don't know. Uh, my original thinking on that was no, he wouldn't. And he made it very clear after they signed him, they signed him late in, in the process. I mean, late, late in free agency, rather he wasn't getting offers that he felt were <laughs> whatever. He didn't like the offers that he was getting in free agency. And he thought that the Jaguars were, were lowballing him. And he signed with the Eagles and was hoping to get on the field this year and play a lot. And, he made no mistake about it that he was playing this year to get back to free agency in 2017. Now, the other aspect of Kelsey, you know, likely not being back in 2017 is, you know, I've I've heard that Alan Barbary isn't safe either. So if they get rid of both Kelsey and Barbary, then there's a chance that they might, you know, need a guy like 
Wisniewski to, to, to fill in. So I, I still believe that he's likely going to walk in free agency, but I wouldn't, but I would say that if, you know, they let go of Kelsey and if they let go of Alan Barbary, then certainly his chances of sticking with the team with Newski, that is raise <laughs> to, to, to some degree. Now, I don't know what to, I don't know what to, to degree that would be. If they do get rid of those two guys, I would still lean on him, you know, lean toward him not being with the team, but his chance of being with the team are a little bit higher now based on the info that I received than, than they were, you know, like a week ago. Man, that's crazy. Cause I, well, now I got to look at <laughs> other team needs and like who needs a center, who needs a guard that would be willing to kind of pay that starter money price for him. Cause I guess that's what he'd be looking for, but that's, that'll be interesting to kind of look forward going through there as well. And uh, you know, and, and uh, just came through uh, today as we're recording this on Thursday afternoon here is just, uh, we I saw that Tim McManus released an article just saying that, hey, Jeffrey Laurie's been involved in the in the process a lot, is, is, or just being a lot more hands-on, I guess I should say, as an owner. And I didn't really look at that as, as kind of anything different. More or less, it just confirmed a few things for me that, hey, he might have his hands on some of the free agency talk or some re-signing his own core players. As You kind of got that uh, this offseason when everything got flushed out and it was Howie and him back in, back in the mix uh, again. Do you take anything away from that other than, yeah, it's just basically uh, been, been showing you what's been going on for the past year here? Yeah, if you read the article, I think it's, you know, I think it's um... – Team is the wrong word to use, <laughs> but uh, but it's 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 not like uh, the, the way that Tim described it. It's not like um, Jeffrey Laurie is running around out there like Jerry Jones, <laughs> you know, where where he's where he's calling the shots in, in in the draft room and saying I want this guy around that guy. I think he's a little bit more involved in that process than than some people think. Uh, but I, you know, he's he's not gonna you know be jumping on the table and screaming I want this guy as opposed to this guy that you know has been working on over the past, you know, X number of months. So, you know, I, I think he is involved certainly in, in, you know, in the ways that Tim described in the article. But um, again, it's, just, it's not a situation where he's some kind of tyrant running around making all the personnel decisions. <laughs> Out of the way, Joe, this is my war room. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that <laughs> That's right. either. But um, I, I don't, there's it, no it, fighting in here. This is the war room. <laughs> <laughs> the only small thing that I guess would concern me out of that is with this, like, I don't, I don't know. Did, does he have a hand in like, you know, re-signing Vinnie Curry? Did he have a hand in re-signing Zach Hurts and, in you know, keeping Barwin here? Like, do you think he's a part of those discussions? Well, I mean, the article stated that he was, um, you know, a, a big part of them re-signing Sam Bradford, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, I didn't think that they should, <laughs> or at least, <laughs> or or rather, the, the deal that actually that they eventually worked out with him was fine because it did show that it was just you know a stopgap until they found a quarterback of the future, which eventually they did in Carson Wentz. So I was fine with the contract that they signed. But you know, prior to prior to him signing that contract, I was you know totally against Sam, you know them thinking of Sam Bradford as some kind of you know legitimate um, you know go to guy at quarterback. You know, I thought they had to find something you know better than him. So the contract that they wound up signing him to was was fine, and then eventually, obviously, they flipped him for a first round pick. So they paid a lot of money to, to flip him into a first round pick, which you know I'm sure the fan base is, is happy that they got a first round pick out of him. But uh, it is a little bit concerning that um you know he would be involved in that heavily in you know really deciding on who the quarterback was, was going to be although again as i mentioned they did kind of sign him to a contract that didn't guarantee him a lot of time in philadelphia right uh, but they did for chase daniel or any time at all for that matter <laughs> oh, yeah that's true that contract. 
so I wonder, yeah, the, I mean, like, I wonder who kind of made the okay with that Chase Dano contract then, because that's still, I don't know, that still boggles my mind a little bit, but that's a whole other discussion for later on, and who, whoever knows what's going to happen. Jimmy, we appreciate it. Of course, uh, you can follow Jimmy on the Twitter.com at Jimmy Kemsky, and of course, check all his great stuff at thephillyvoiced.com. Jimmy, thanks, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Before we go, can I just go back to something that you that you quickly mentioned at oh. the at the top of the interview? Please do. When you said the um, the Walter football thing, yes. <laughs> where they so I don't even know if it was Walter football or or his, or his Bleacher Report. I think Walter football saw it on Bleacher Report that I reported, quote unquote, reported that Ryan Matthews uh, they're going to ask him to take a pay cut, which. I've never said in my life. <laughs> so I'm like, it's it's so weird that somebody attributed a report to me that, something that I never said, and I was thinking about it. And that is actually a brilliant way to troll beat writers is to just say, according to you know at whoever, so and so is is going to be signing a long term deal, and it, it, that's like kind of like a little bit of a different approach than the fake account. <laughs> if you if you're if you have a twitter account you have like you know two thousand followers or something like that you have like enough followers where you can get a little bit of traction you know according to so-and-so uh the the eagles are going to sign whoever and then (laughs) and that'll piss that'll piss off beat writers to no end so i thought so when they attributed this this weird report to me it's like I i was i was equally annoyed and amused because i could imagine like how other beat writers would react if some weird report was attributed to them. Yeah, and then it just kind of goes up. You know, it's funny too. It, not even just with. Not that I'm writers. trying to put. I, not that I'm trying to put bad ideas. In <laughs> well, yeah, well, now you just <laughs> did. Now that's going to happen constantly. Uh, and Rich Eisen actually commented on that. I think over this last weekend too, during the, during the playoff series, it's like I can't tell you how many idiots from some stupid blog quote me as saying this one thing, which is completely not true. And then they runs and it becomes a story. So, uh, yeah, you might have to eventually do the, the Tim Kawame uh, style where he just blocks everybody for saying everything just slightly wrong. So, uh, well, uh, yeah, I'm glad that we cleared that up because that was very important to clear up. But, again, uh, you know, be careful I mean, with the – got a career-threatening neck injury they're not going to ask him to take a cake they're just going to cut him yeah exactly they're going to move that was already like that was from day one of the of last season that was pretty much okay this is ryan matthews last year so it's yeah it's not anything right right uh jimmy we appreciate it buddy we'll catch up with you soon all right john take care all right pretty interesting stuff there is you know even hinting now and this is something that i I, you know it's kind of crazy to think about Jimmy telling us that you know Alan Barbary not might, might be here either next year. So if if you're going on and moving from Kelsey, which he pretty much said, yeah, I mean they are definitely leaning more that way than anything else, which also surprised me a little bit. Is Stefan Wisniewski was might be back because <laughs> you know? if you're if you're moving on from different linemen, with saying, oh yeah, there's nothing but a ton of uh, depth here. Wisniewski being back, I think. I, I, honestly, if you're gonna and if you're gonna move on from Kelsey, and you have this young guy. You better have a, a backup that's there that can play the position. And I think you almost have to bring Wisniewski back, John. Are you on that level? Well, it, it, when I say like, oh, get rid of Kelsey, get rid of Jason Peters, you can, also can't have Carson Wentz getting killed back there. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's somewhat amazing he was able to play. 16 games. I mean, you think about it. One of the the, the raps on uh, on Carson Wentz was he was never ne- never able to stay healthy, and he actually 
stayed healthy and he learned to protect himself a little bit better, but he really didn't take a lot of punishment. I mean, I, I look around the NFL and I see I see quarterbacks that take a lot of punishment over the course of a season. He, for the most part, came out pretty unscathed. They're going to have to sign, and this is the problem without a lot of cop, cap space, they're going to have to sign a couple guys. I mean, you, you have to have veterans. You can't do the Chip Kelly route where you come in and say, oh, we'll, be, we'll get rid of all of our linemen and we'll come in with these guys that have never been starters and we'll be fine because it's about the system. No, you need players in this league, man. Yeah, absolutely, and it just comes back to the, th- <laughs> the thing that we've been talking about for a long time where it's like, I don't think they can. you can't be choosy on what you're taking in the draft, and you just have to be like, okay, we like these different offensive linemen in there, we're going to take them, and, and, and that's going to be it. And they're, they're going to shuffle. I mean, that is going to shuffle once again. So that's, you know, regardless of what happens this year, like Jason, even if Peters is here next year, that's going to shuffle. So Lane moves over there. You might as well have an anchor in uh, Salem Hollow, and you might as well have Wisniewski back and get some form of continuity because it's going to keep changing as they keep drafting and picking other guys up here. But uh, I, I want to get back to Dallas for a second, John, because I just realized that it, it's kind of crazy how the past couple of days it has been, oh, my God, this Dallas team is going to be crazy for the next 10 years and then nationally almost, and I don't know if you've, you've felt this as well too, but all of a sudden they're, they've become the poster child for like, oh yeah, they're not even going to win 10 games next year. They might not even win nine. You know, you think of all, since we're talking about Caps case and we're talking about all those things, the Cowboys are really in trouble as far as that is they're concerned. They're always over the cap. <laughs> yes, and it's finally kind of caught up to him now no matter how they slice it or dice it there is nobody and i guarantee there will be nobody that trades for tony romo in that contract no one's going to pick up 19 million dollars and yes if i'm wrong about that figure i apologize but that's that's what they have going in it might even be larger because it might even be 26 or whatever that crazy backload is there i i think when you're losing claiborne or you know he's up for free agency that that defense is played above its head and you had a rookie quarterback and everybody else that played really well and helped out your defense and did a lot of those different things. But I, I don't know. I can't, And I don't know if it's Eagles goggles or not, but I feel the same way. I felt the same way for a long time <laughs> that this is just propped up by, you know, plywood. And eventually it's going to fall back down to the norm again. And the norm for them is eight games. And I don't know if you feel the same way. I do not. I do not feel the same way. I, it, it, <laughs> Well, you know, it, you have seen this from year to year where everything seems to go right one year. You don't have injuries. You have balls that instead of being intercepted were uh, incomplete. You know, I mean, that, that happens to teams, and then the very next year, those same balls that went incomplete are now pick sixes. And you did see a lot of that with Dallas this year. I don't see them winning 13 games. I don't even see them necessarily winning 12 games because you're right. Like, Clay, the Claiborne signing it was a one-year $3 million contract. That's a great contract because whoever pays him money in this free agency, they're not going to get a good deal, right? Like that's the contract you want to sign one year, $3 million. They're going to lose a couple guys. And I mean, is their defense good enough to stand up? This is what I do know about, about the Cowboys. Dak Prescott's for real. He knows what he's doing on third down and Ezekiel Elliott, barring an injury, is going to dominate this league for, for many, many years to come. And in, in the NFL, it's all about offense and, uh, I, I see Dallas as a team that they're not going to necessarily have to score 30, 35 points, but they're going to control the ball and they're going to they're going to pound you and they're going to do that with the offense line. I don't think we're looking at the the San Francisco 49ers of the 80s and the 90s, but I see a team that has a lot of talent and um, and it, it's it, but it's not insurmountable talent. It's not. I mean, you had them beat 
in the in yeah. the first game, and if Doug Peterson blow it, so how how good are they really? <laughs> right, and that's that's why I keep coming back to that. Like I I just feel like I honestly felt as like oh well this will be this will be Dallas's plunge to go into crazy free agency spending, and then I, you realize that you look at you look at their cap situation and all, and it's oh they, they can't and they still have to pay yeah. their draft class which is coming in here and the, you know there's. Everyone was you know, who had talked up just everything that was going in and out through there. The, the, the picks that they've made are actually semi-risky now. I mean, you sent a, a second-round pick on, on, on Jalen Smith, and you don't know if he's going to play. Uh, Lyle Collins has, has now been hurt a, a ton. Uh, you have your this this pass rusher from Nebraska who I was always kind of rooting for, and unfortunately he's wearing the wrong color, and Randy Gregory – lay off the pot man like I don't I don't know what else to tell you but so it, it's kind of all crazy and shambles and that's I guess what happens when you have those guys that come in there and take those risks and who knows I'll probably say all this stuff and just like John is saying like they'll they'll still rip off and win 11 or 12 games I will say this though I do think that Dak Prescott is more of a worry than Ezekiel Elliott hands down like I, I think that's where a lot of the a lot of that got muddled throughout the rest of the year and I'm not taking away anything from Zeke like he is still a, a force to be reckoned with and I fucking hate him and <laughs> this won't change anything but uh, I, I do think that Dak you know kept those drives alive a, a, a lot more this year especially in that game especially in the playoff game too that's that's where your worry should be is not necessarily with Zeke but if they both catch fire then then yes all the things we're saying it really doesn't matter because they have a great offensive line and and him and, and Brian and that's pretty much all you need to, to kind of win but again it's really hard to stay consistent with that defense and you you saw that even in Green Bay and in a lot of those places too let's talk a little bit about that uh, and we'll have Ben Natan come in and we'll talk a little draft as well because it was a busy week with East West Shrine practices and honestly keep an eye on that because we've been talking with Deron Davenport all week and that is uh, that's kind of where it all starts and you'll see some of the guys in the senior bowl and also Teron uh, will be down there as well. So we'll be doing all the small weekly updates with that. Uh, Green Bay and Atlanta, John. I mean, this is this to me is going to be a l- way funner than <laughs> than New England and and the Steelers. Are. I still think it's going to be a, a good uh, Sunday to watch football. But I, I, I like everybody else, and especially Vegas, who has the over under at sixty one points. Uh, really do think that this is going to be an entertaining football game, and and I do too. And for some reason, now that Kyle Shanahan has taken the job in San Francisco, for some reason, I think that's the wind out of the sail for Atlanta. That's probably a crazy statement, but I still like Green Bay's heat and the momentum they're on. And I, I don't know. I, I just think this is going to be the most entertaining game of the weekend. Yeah, looking forward to it. I think you could make that over under 100 and you'd still have the public maybe because 75, <laughs> yeah. 75% of the public right now is still on the over if you look at the total, which is crazy. Vegas had one of their worst weekends ever last weekend. And a lot of that was because they, for whatever reason, they set that line so high in the, in the in the Dallas game. And I looked at that and I said, well, geez, I mean, it looks too easy to take the Packers and I guess everybody bet Aaron Rodgers, and they should have, and that was a great game too. You know, I don't know. If this game was in Lambeau, I have a totally different feeling. If this game was on a neutral site, I might have a different feeling. This game being in Atlanta, 
against a defense that I, I just don't I, I don't buy I don't buy the the Packer defense. I just don't think they're good enough. I don't think their sec I don't think their yeah, secondary is good enough. And I keep betting against Aaron Rodgers, which is which is not a good thing to do. But this doesn't have this this just has <laughs> to do with Matt Ryan. I th- I just think they're going to score more points, and I think it's really tough to stop them. Their speed, especially in the Georgia during the last game there, but their speed and their two running backs is and Taylor Gabriel who kind of came onto the scene. This guy's dynamic. I don't know how you stop him. So, I mean, if you have a good defense or you have a Bill Belichick scheming against you, you can stop them. But I haven't seen a lot of teams being able to slow them down. But it is going to be an epic battle because Jordy Nelson or no Jordy Nelson, you know Aaron Rodgers is going to be going to be throwing that ball all over the place. Yeah, and and obviously, the you know, the secondary for Atlanta is clearly better. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, how much Julio Jones really torches up Gunther because stat lines on him – with the exception of, you know, uh, OBJ dropping balls and, and all that, he's been shattering all the number one wide receivers. And he is, let's just be polite and say awful. And uh, it's just a complete mismatch when I know, I think Charles McDonald, who's uh, again, covers the Falcons down there, does a lot of different trap stuff too. Just had their spider charts next to each other. And you see Julio Jones like fills up the entire circle. And then Gunther's is just like, you know, some a couple of string beans here and there. So it, it, with that, I, I just think it's going to be you know, a, a passing bonanza, and, and we'll get into our picks in just a little bit here too. First, uh, we want to uh, check in with the lead draft writer Ben Natan as he is. You know, we, we've been having this debate now, and I want to have this debate with John just a little bit too. It, running back and pass rusher are almost to me. A, a similar need and I wanted to see if Ben had that same idea uh, and of course this is presented to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. It is live television in the palm of your hand 30 second high quality HD clips that you can make from directly from your phone. It's, it is that easy. Look folks, Vine is officially dead. It's gone. We had We had a nice moment with it. I don't know what Twitter is doing next but for the time being uh, you know, again, it's a sneakily way. If you are out and about, like I know John Marks is, he's he's doing a lot of stuff. He's being super dad. He's you know creating a, a lot of things over over at his new website and and writing all the time. And just there's a lot of things going on. So you can't necessarily be in front of a television all the time either. And that's kind of a, a sneaky way to catch all the highlights and do all that stuff too. And then of course share it on Twitter, Facebook, and. All of uh, all of your blog posts, which it definitely enhanced, especially with draft season, and they've got everything on there. All the Fox channels, all the sports channels, even uh, the NFL Network, which is important for the combine and the East West Shrine Game and things like that. If you are and like you to said, make... it's, it's not just not just sports. I no, it's everything. Everything. It, it is. It is. It's. It is. Uh, you know. The. It's, uh, I mean, <laughs> the inauguration. Everything that's going on politically, which has been. You know, uh, covered on a million different sides, and everything's kind of going insane. All of those, your favorite shows, those things are are crucial for blog posts and sharing with friends and uh, family and emailing. It's it's amazing. At Clip It TV and Clip It TV, uh, just, just go download in the Apple Store or Google Play. It's all there for you, Ben. What's going on, buddy? I'm doing well, John. How are you doing? Uh, fantastic. And of course, every day there is uh, there seems to be an article about. Uh, a new prospect that you are looking at or writing about or doing something. It is officially uh, y- your time to shine, sir. How are you feeling so far in the draft process? It, you know, it's really exciting. We had a, about 95 underclassmen declarations officially yesterday. And looking at this draft, you see an incredibly deep draft at running back, at cornerback, and along the defensive line. And that's really exciting considering those are three of the Eagles' biggest needs. 
Um, and there's also a bunch of really exciting wide receivers in this class. So as an Eagles fan, you, you know, you look at the holes on this football team, then you look at where the depth is in this draft. And it's hard not to get excited about all the potential uh, young players the team can add during this offseason. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that we're going to talk about, too, because um, I, I don't even want to call it a debate. It's just kind of like where everybody says that as far as needs are concerned, what's available in the draft class and what the Eagles can can kind of do. We'll get that into the second. It is uh, been, you know, a Shrine Week all week with uh, Teron Davenport, and obviously Ben and Teron are going to get together uh, once things kind of settle down, and uh, Teron's going to be at the Senior, uh, senior Bowl uh, after this too, so the uh, the combined voices of awesomeness will uh, will continue here. But uh, anybody that's catching your eye, East-West Shrine-wise, any guys that you have down there, Ben? Yeah, there's a couple of players. One of my uh, one of the guys I really liked during the season was Octavius uh, Mathers out of Middle Tennessee State. He's a, a bit smaller of a running back, you know, five eleven, one ninety five, so not your uh, your big bulky running back. But he is a very very versatile player. He had sixty six catches this year, which would technically rank second among running backs in the draft class behind Curtis Samuel. Um, you know, very quick, very shifty. They moved him around. They they split him out wide. He caught passes out of the backfield. Now, there is a concern about his age. He's a little bit older since he was a transfer from Ole Miss. He's 23 years old. So he's not exactly a guy you're spending a, spending a high pick on. Well, that's way against your brand. <laughs> I, I know, I know. 23-year-old running back, <laughs> running back um, who you won't spend a high pick on. So those are all like counter to my brand. But you want to add a guy late in the draft, you know, maybe mid-day three, late-day three, who can contribute to your running back rotation, especially as a third down back. I feel like, um, Mathers makes sense in terms of being a good value. And also I, I like the, some of the offensive linemen, Alex Kozan and Avery Genesee are both two sec, uh, linemen, you know, Genesee was at Texas A&M Kozan was at Auburn. Both are really, really good run blockers. Genesee is more, um, more of a project. I would say he was an offensive tackle this year, you know, really good size is six, five, 315 pounds. A lot to clean up with his game, um, but tons of upside there. Very strong, long arms. Um, what you really want uh, in an offensive lineman, especially in a scheme like the Eagles, where you're doing a lot more gap blocking. Um, and uh, I also like some of the, the defensive backs. Uh, you know, Channing Stribling, Fabian Morrow, both are you know six foot plus, ball skills, decent athletes. But one guy I'm, I really like, and I think the Eagles are going to be really interested in, is Austin Carr. And Austin Carr is a wide receiver, Northwestern. And not the biggest guy. You know, he's 6'1", 200 pounds, so he's you know, decent size. Um, not the fastest guy, but very, very good route runner. Tough guy. Uh, does very dependable catching the football. And he actually accounted for 39 Northwestern's passing yards and 50% of their receiving touchdowns. Both of those numbers are among the best in the class in terms of uh, receiving production. So there's a, really a lot to like about Carr. He's been consistently productive over the course of his career in Northwestern. Obviously not a guy you spend a first-round pick on, but if you want a mid-round receiver who has potential to contribute early to his team, I could definitely see Carr being a guy that you stick in the slot on your offense and he makes tough catches over the middle for the next Eight, 10 years it's amazing that uh, Austin Carr can play uh, for the Cavaliers and also at Northwestern so that's <laughs> just there's a ton of Austin cars going around uh, you know for for a long time there and, and you're right I think that's kind of like what this draft class is is basically filled with as far as that well especially at like you know th this point of 
East West, uh, excuse me, East West Shrine game kind of potential. These are the guys that are there. That's you know what a lot of me in Toronto have been talking about uh, later on this week, which leads me to I guess like there is. I, I don't know anymore, Ben. I, I Every time that we or you or I or literally anybody on the site that gets a question on, you know, what are you going to launch into first? Is it is it running back? Is it wide receivers and corners or whatever? I want to stick with uh, defensive end and pass rushing because I really do think that it is one of the most underrated needs that is going to happen and maybe even so defensive line as a whole, uh, depending on what Benny Logan uh, does or what the Eagles supposedly do with him. But if I were to say right now that I think defensive end is a much bigger need than running back, <laughs> and and in terms of what the class is giving you, they're both kind of stacked with them, which is a good thing. But uh, I, I'm not so sure anymore if, if you know, obviously Miles Garrett is going to go way beyond anything in the Eagles reach. But after that, you know, you're, you're Charles Harris, you're, you're Derek Barnett, who I'm kind of back and forth with, and uh, even a guy like Dwayne Smoot, who I'm a big fan of. I don't know. I, I, are you still thinking that running back is, is still where it is, what this team needs more so than anything on the defensive side of the ball? Well, I will say this. I think that for running back, there needs to be some, some priority on the position just because of how much impact the position can bring and what the team was lacking last year in terms of just having any kind of dynamic threat on the offense. But I, I totally understand where you're coming from. And I would technically, I would actually really agree with you just in terms, if you look at how the positions are valued in the NFL, how the athletes at the position are valued in the NFL. If you have these elite, just athletic type of guys on at defensive end, they are going to go a lot higher than a lot of these running backs. So if you're looking at, you know, who I can get late, you know, who, who can I, who can I draft day one and then still get day two, day three at various positions you're more likely to get uh, a much better running back day two, day three, than you are defensive end. So if the team decided to go in the direction of, you know, a Carl Lawson, a Tim Williams, a Solomon Thomas, you know, any of those guys, um, you know, at, at that, you know, in that top 20, and then day two, maybe go, go for a guy like, you know, Dante Foreman or go for Christian McCaffrey or Curtis Samuel or James Conner or Jeremy McNichols. I mean, there's so many different running backs in this class that, I mean, there's bound to be that guy there on day two that they can still get. So I, I am with you that I, I, I wouldn't be mad if the team was like, you know what, as much as we need a running back, as much as we need a receiver, you know, Connor Barwin's probably going to be gone. Benny Logan's probably, you know, there's a chance that Benny Logan ends up leaving the team. We need to add depth to that defensive line. You know, obviously we have Cox, we have Brandon Graham. Curry was disappointing last year. There needs to, we need to add some juice. We need to add some youth to this unit. So I could totally see where they're coming from and I could get excited about it too. I mean, seeing, seeing Carl Lawson line up opposite of Brandon Graham with Fletcher Cox in the middle of that defense. I mean, that's, that's awesome. You know, same thing if it was with Solomon Thomas or, you know, even a Derek Barnett or a Takaris McKinley, like I just add, add a guy who can get after the passer. You know, I prefer if they were do, to do that, they would prioritize, you know, some kind of really high profile athlete, that type of guy. That's why I'm a little bit more iffy on Derek Barnett. I don't think he's at that same athletic level as yeah, you know, Solomon Thomas or Tim Williams. And, um, but someone who can get after the passer, that was, that was something that the team really struggled with last year. Um, consistently gating that pass rush. There was a stretch of games. I think it was like a stretch of like six games that they went without a sack. So that's an issue. And and if you were to say that that was a need, I could totally understand that. Yeah, and I guess that's why I'm just kind of stuck on 
on on that right now. I I guess I don't know where the line is. Obviously, if it's Dalvin Cook that's still on board, I think we've been been through that a thousand times. Yeah, you're gonna do that over anybody else. Are you really gonna take a top tiered athletic pass rusher over you know a McCafferty over a, a Foreman, a Curtis Samuel? Like, well, I I don't know. I guess where is the line for you in terms of in terms of that? I know you touched on that a little bit, but like, where is the talent line for both of those positions? Of like, okay. If it's if it's an opportunity to get this guy, then you can go get this guy later. Is there is there that kind of boundary line for you yet, or is that still just still trying to figure that out early in this process here? Um, if Dalvin Cook is there, I take him. If Corey Davis is there, I take him. But if if both are gone, then I would I would consider taking a pass rusher because then it really comes down to you know pass rusher versus cornerback and pass rusher. I would take a pass rusher over a cornerback any day of the week. Um, especially with how deep this cornerback class is. And it's much easier to find value at the position later in the draft than it is with, with uh, you know, these athletic defensive linemen. So it basically comes down to, I think that Cook and, and Davis are the two talents I really would not pass up on in terms of offensive skill positions. But after that, I would totally be game if they took a pass rusher. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm with you, and, and, and really, I think that somebody, I think somebody dumb is really going to take, and not to say this isn't towards Derek Barnett either. I just I just don't I don't see it. I, a lot of guys have him as number two pass rusher going in here. I see a lot of dangerous things they can run in there, and I know even at Tennessee, a lot of the times like games against Florida, the ones I watched the most, everybody was running away from Alabama. Everybody was running away from him. I, I just don't see that kind of dominance, that athletic dominance that you were going through, like with the with the other fellows that you were saying. Even Solomon Thomas, I'm still kind of back and forth with too, because I'm not I'm not exactly sure he's got enough strength to you know manhandle some of the left and right tackles that are going through here. But yeah, I, I, what is it about Derek Barnett? I guess all the positives uh, for you that are moving forward here. I think with Derek Barnett, what you what you got to love about him is, is he he's great size. You know, very long arms. He's strong as hell. Very physical. Doesn't not really afraid of contact. Has a high motor. So he has all of these. You know, I, I think he he can be productive in the NFL. I really do expect him to be a really solid defensive lineman. Um, but he doesn't have that burst, that speed around the edge that you kind of want from these top tier pass rushers. So I think his best case scenario is probably ending up like a guy like Carlos Dunlap, who's still, I mean, very very good player. But that is an absolute, absolute ceiling. And when there's such athletic hurdles that that a guy needs to get through in order to become that top tier player, it's a little bit more concerning. You know, if I'm going to take a chance on a on a defensive lineman in the draft, I, I really want to be comfortable with their athleticism. And, and Barnett's a guy who I'm not really there yet with him. With Thomas, Thomas's main issue is that he's just so raw, and he's such a good athlete. He's so explosive. Stanford would basically line him up all over the defensive line and just say, just say, go, you know, just attack, you know, attack the ball, attack what you think the ball is. And sometimes you would win um, because he's just so fast and so much, he's so, so much more naturally explosive than most of the blockers he was going up against that he would just completely blow up the blow up the play. And a real, I mean, you saw against UNC, he did that quite a few times, but the thing is, he has no idea how to use his hands. So he would basically launch himself into a play. And if he would lose initially, he'd basically give up. And there was, I mean, there was, there are, there are absolute long stretches of him just consistently losing off of the snap and not doing anything and not fighting through the play. And it's really frustrating to watch because when he, when he wants to be good, when he tries to be good, it just, I mean, 
there's there's probably one defender in the class who's as uh, as disruptive as him, and that's Miles Garrett. So with him, it's about getting him to a good defensive line coach, someone who can really, you know, get on his ass about effort, you know, helping his technique, his awareness. So you kind of worry about all the technical aspects, but, you know, if you go back to, back in time uh, a little bit to, to the, the 2015 draft, um, one guy I was really, really low on do, during the 2015 draft was uh, Danielle Hunter. And I was like, this guy, you know, he's quote unquote, just an athlete. And I really don't see anything more, more than just his athleticism. And I think it'd be ridiculous for a team to really spend the high pick on him. And then he ended up going in, in, in the third round to the Vikings. And I was like, Oh, stupid Vikings, you know, spending <laughs> such a top, such a high pick on, on, you know, this guy's just an athlete. He has no idea what he's doing on the football field. And he completely, I mean, he's been so good since he, he had 12 and a half sacks this year. I think he's had the, the most sacks um, in NFL history before a player turns 22 years old or something like that. It's just insanely, insanely productive uh, for the Vikings. And, uh, you know, if you want to go back even further, another guy who I was super low on during the draft process was Ziggy Ansa. And it was like, oh, you know, this guy's just an athlete. And then it takes him two years in the NFL before he starts dominating guys. And it's like, all right, so maybe if you're taking chances on players, you really should be banking on their athleticism. And I think Solomon Thomas is a really, really good example of that, where he's just so damn explosive. And the thing is, is he's not, he's not super old either. I think he's going to be, he's going to be 22, I think towards the middle of his rookie year. So it's not like he's like, he's athletic because he's so much more physically advanced than everyone else he's playing against. He's athletic because he's athletic. And I think that he's just going to be a, a very good football player, especially if you get him with a really good uh, defensive coaching staff. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of how I feel about Tim Williams too, and just like I I, I think he's gonna, it's just going to be that type of guy, even if he just you know adds ten fifteen pounds of of muscle there. But he, with, with either one of those guys, it's funny too because I don't really think they fit the Eagles uh, that well in, in terms of scheme and things like that. But if they can develop and again get those guys in there in the rotation, uh, I, I like that too. And um, between that and and of course there's uh, there's good old uh, Taco Charlton who I, I just love because of his name and I'm not sure what the, what exactly where he fits either whether it was just kind of a, a production between him and and Warmly or it was just him uh, alone but there's a lot of interesting prospects this year so uh, Ben we will keep an eye and ear on all articles related and of course we'll get into just uh, draft talk right after the playoffs are done so. We are looking forward to that, my friend. Thanks so much for joining the show, as always, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon, buddy. Thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I think that – I don't know if that's a debate that's going to be keep uh, living on here, John, but I I, I don't know. I, I look at the pass-rushing talent that's coming in and the running back talent, I think uh, as far as the class goes, I think it's equal as far as, you know, it's, it's really hard to decide between one of those guys. Obviously, I think a lot of us would be like, well, yeah, I'm going to take Dalvin Cook over, you know, a, a, a Bennett or whatever, a Williams or, or something like that. But do you, do you think that maybe even just defensive line or defensive end as a whole is going to be severely underlooked as a need for this team heading into the season? I do agree with that. I, I do not think that, like, and, and I had written about this on phillyfootballtalk.com. I'm not one of these guys that values a running back that you take in the first round, you even take in the second round. But this team desperately needs a playmaker at wide receiver and out of the backfield would be nice. And you look at Dalvin Cook, 
the, the kid's a home run hitter. He's a great receiver. He can really do it all. If he was sitting there at 14 or 15, depending on where the Eagles draft, it would be really tough to pass up on him, even though you know you need a corner and you know you need a wide receiver, and this is a really, really deep draft at both of those positions. Maybe you could get somebody in the second round. You could get a, a wide receiver or a corner in the second round. I don't expect him to take a running back because I don't think Cook's going to be there. Uh, but defensive end, when you look at it, is Connor Barwin back? He's going to be a part of the rotation? Probably not. I wouldn't spend the money to do that. Is Marcus Smith going to be able to contribute? This league is built for me. Andy Reid always believed this. Corners, defensive ends. That's what you need on mm-hmm. defense. And they don't have any corners, and they have a couple defensive ends, and your corners play a lot better when you're getting a pass rush, and we saw that this year. So, yeah, you, you – the guy that you need as a backup defensive end shouldn't be a guy like Connor Barwin where if you were to pay him $3 million to stick around. You need these draft picks to be doing it. You need a third or a fourth round draft pick, even a second round draft pick to do it. So I, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, tough to, it's tough to know what Howie Roseman's thinking, but that's the problem. He needs so many different pieces. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we know what Joe Douglas is thinking. He's thinking corner because that's what Davenport was telling us all through the East-West Shrine game. They're trying to find those diamonds in the rough. And I, 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 just like I was saying before with Ben, I, I really do think I'm a, I'm in love with Dwayne Smoot from Illinois, so that's a name to kind of write down. I just think he's got the same kind of motor as like a Brandon Graham and the same kind of tenacity, very violent with his hands, and that's a guy second, third, maybe even first round by the time the combine rolls around, and you can get and doing that. Again, we'll be uh, drafting it up like crazy uh, for the next couple of weeks. John, let's make some NFL picks. Hit me! It's time to ring the bell. And place some bets. Hey, I don't want your money punching my money. Here come our NFL picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. All right, we were talking about, we'll start with our what I think is our favorite game as we've been discussing here. Uh, I, I, am, uh, I am still going to take... Uh, and leaning Green Bay here as it is four and a half, five in some spots. Obviously, the over-under, we've gone uh, gone over with that, sitting right there at 61. But uh, gun to your head here, John, you sticking with Atlanta at minus four and a half. I am, and, and I should probably have my head examined because anybody betting against Aaron Rodgers right now has lost, really, since, uh, since when? Since they started... Since the, the Eagles. The win streak, <laughs> the Eagles game. Right. Um, you know, it's still... It, it's. It, Right after the game's over, I actually put out on Twitter, I said, what the hell is this line going to be? Because after they just got their butt beat, it's like, how could you not have the, the Packers at least close, not to be an even pick, but it's already at four. And 77% of the public is on Green Bay. And it's tough for me to, to pick against them, but I just think down there in Atlanta, I'm going to go Atlanta 34, Green Bay 30-30. Wow, 34-30. So, so, I would love that weekend. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I'm going to go with the public here, and it's probably a dumb thing to do because public money is not how you should, you know, really <laughs> vary your bets or doing it. I just, I just like John said, I can't bet against the hot team. I just can't do it. Like, they're on a mission. They want to do it. They're going to be down again, like a, a, another corner, another wide receiver, and a, a, probably another lineman, and it won't matter because – it's Aaron Rodgers, although I do think Atlanta goes up there and just it, it is going to be a shootout fest and it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm going to take Green Bay and I'm going to say it's going to be a little higher. I'm going to go Green Bay 38, Atlanta 31, and it comes down to uh, the last couple of minutes there. All right, let's go to our, uh, I don't know, <laughs> I was about to say our favorite spot. Probably not our favorite spot, but we'll go to New England anyway. And uh, another interesting line 
minus six in New England, Pittsburgh, the Patriots. It's a you know it's a rivalry that's been going on kind of forever here, John. And um, I, I I don't know. I I kind of feel uh, it could go either way. Uh, I know people are expecting to kind of New England to blow it out. I don't really feel that way. But where are you going in this one? Yeah, well, well, Pittsburgh, we've seen. You you remember the great group Bell, Biv, DeVoe from the 90s R&B. Of course. Well, they, they have Bell, Brown, and Ben as their three, and they've been really tough to stop. And how do you stop Le'Veon Bell? Well, I thought Andy Reid was going to be able to kind of bottle him up, and uh, he still is going to get his yards. But it's tough. It, just like we said, it's tough to get to bet against uh, Aaron Rodgers. It's tough to bet against Tom Brady mm-hmm. and and Bill Belichick. I just don't know how you do it. it it's I, I don't know. Like a read on this game, Pittsburgh could come out of. They could get beat. I mean, they really could. I don't know how good of a team Pittsburgh is. I know what New England is, and New England's a team that's not going to lose on their home field in the AFC Championship time game. Tom Brady's not going to do that. On the other hand, though, just like Odell Beckham, if you remember, Odell Beckham went on the boat. That was a distraction. He went out on the field, and he tried to show everybody it wasn't a distraction, and he's a head case, and it ended up being a distraction in his head because he wasn't playing the way that, that he would have normally played because he was so worried about it. Antonio Brown, Facebook living in the locker room, I think what is actually going to have the opposite effect to where I think it's going to help Antonio Brown because he's going to say, you know what, i got to show these guys that I really am a good player. So I don't think it's going to affect him at all. I just don't think Pittsburgh's good enough. So I'll take New England, and I'll take them 27-17. to 17 And uh, so I, w- I would take them to cover, but I don't necessarily love the game. Uh, ring the bell! Because that's how I feel. I, I I am betting against Tom Brady for some reason, which is probably very stupid. I do, I just feel like Pittsburgh matches up really well against this this Patriots team, and I, and I the minus six is throwing me off. I I still think New England probably squeaks this one out, but I don't think they do it by a touchdown. I think this is going to be a, a, a very close game. I actually think it's going to be. Uh, I'll, I'll take the under too at uh, you know 50, 50 and a half, whatever it's kind of rolling with there. I just feel like Shazier and and Timmons and all those guys are going to give that offensive line fits, and uh, I I don't know why. I just feel like again they're they're kind of the hot team, and that was this was kind of everybody's prediction at the beginning of the year, and and Peter King. You know, whatever <laughs> wants to feel good, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and have a, a nice case of Allagash and go with a, a a Pittsburgh Green Bay Super Bowl, which is kind of a spoiler because I would rather see uh, Brady and Rogers kind of duke it out there. But uh, any uh, final thoughts here, uh, Johnny Marks? Oh, final thoughts, uh, John Gruden, who uh, who everybody's wondering every off season jobs come up. And it's always the first name that's thrown out there. Oh, well, John Gruden come out of retirement. And I actually wrote in one of my posts on phillyfootball.com when it was rumored maybe he would go to the L.A. Rams. I, I, I don't want him to go to the L.A. Rams. I want him to go to a team. I want him to go to Indianapolis. I want him to take Andrew Luck, who has been underachieving the last few seasons. I want I want to match Chucky with Andrew Luck and see what he can do. Well, apparently Jim Irsay tried to get that done, and John Gruden wasn't <laughs> interested. Um, John, I think we're seeing that John Gruden's never coming out of retirement or retirement coming out of the broadcast booth and uh, just like we saw with John Madden for many years and he just stayed up there I I just don't think Gruden wants to deal with it anymore so while I'd love to see Gruden get back into the NFL I don't think it's ever going to happen no, uh, no no never It'll ne- it's never going to happen never going to happen I and and that's I, I think that's kind of like the the Bill Cowher syndrome that went on forever except John Gruden has has more legs for some reason like 
Can we all agree that Bill Cowher was a better coach than John Gruden? <laughs> Not mentioned enough, I guess, in these kind of crazy scenarios, which is insane to me. And more or less, I'll, I'll piggyback off that as, as a final thought, too. And, and definitely, uh, John, thank you so much for hanging out. And we look forward to getting uh, you back on the radio, if that is ever in your future. And uh, the, the thing about the Colts, and that's what scares me, is there could be that kind of possibility. And I know we talked about it with Jimmy earlier in the show about, you know, Jeffrey Lurie having his hands everywhere and wa wanting to be out there. And, you know, Malcolm Jenkins commented in the Tim McManus article that was out today saying like, yeah, you know, he's, I didn't really see my old owner in New Orleans and I've seen Jeffrey a lot in the past three years and whatever. That's the thing that is just in the back of my mind. It's, it's not a huge concern, but I just don't want this to end up like the Colts. I don't want, you know, Wentz to just kind of wither away, and I'm not comparing to Andrew Luck, but it is similar situations where it's just, they're, they're just, they missed on so many things going forward, and I have more confidence in Joe Douglas, and even, even how it's set up now between that and how Grigson and all the rest of the folks handle things, like I can't imagine an owner just by <laughs> going to John Gruden in a booth where clearly... The rest of the league knows that's not going to happen. That's just not going to happen. And and why not reach out to a guy like Kyle Shanahan, who went to the 49ers? Why not reach out to a guy, you know, who is who is just different and new and you're doing all of this while you still have a coach intact. And I can't believe that I mean, I not that Colts fans are standing for it, but if that happened in Philadelphia, I think there would be a war. At that at that point, John, like when, when, when at that point you would just go, you know what? Fuck this team. We're burning the whole thing down and we're not going to a game until this is fixed. Like, can, can don't you think that's what would happen here in Philadelphia? if That's what was going on in Indianapolis. We would not be happy. And it, it's pretty clear that, listen, Chuck Pagano is probably a nice guy. But the biggest problem that they had was when they had success, who was who was more or less in charge? It was Bruce Arian. So Chuck Pagano comes back and and he had the cancer or whatever. But they desperately need they need Ursay out to just to, to stop meddling. But yeah. he, he reached out to Peyton Manning. He's trying to get Peyton Manning in there to be John Elway to run the team. That's the latest rumor that's going on. He still hasn't publicly given a vote of confidence to either his GM or his coach. I'd fire both of them, by the way. But, no, we would not stand for it, and it would be an angry, angry, angry WIP phone bank <laughs> waiting to take phone calls, which can be fun sometimes, John, it as can. you know. Oh, no, it is it is awesome, and that that that's where all of that, you know, uh, Doug Peterson fire hatred, I think it would be like, you know, times 100, and it would be very entertaining <laughs> for sure. So, <laughs> of course, uh, phillyfootballtalk.com, go check out. Uh, John Marks' website, of course, our very own James Zeltzer throws some uh, some work in there as long as, as well as newly acquired uh, Jack Fritz as well, and they do a fantastic job over there. So for myself, John Barchard, and for John Marks, we thank you for listening to episode number 219 right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and BGNRadio.com. Trust the process. Trust the process.